So if you follow us on Twitter at BOP underscore POD, you would have seen we didn't have a podcast recording this weekend. We haven't forgot about you guys, and it's on purpose. We tend to have a habit as a podcast of recording on the weekend, and then like five hours later, just the news we've been kind of stalling along for breaks. So we decided, what if we just recorded later, and then we didn't have to just stall for <laughs> for five hours, and we can get you the first responses and ideas we have. So we so we did that. We decided to stall, and what we're waiting for was for the Team Canada men's Olympic hockey roster. And we got it. Canada reveals their 25-man roster today, the 25th. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. On Tuesday. So we're recording on Tuesday. And uh, that's going to be our focus for this episode because we waited extra long for this. So we might as well savor it and enjoy it. But before we do that, let's start the show proper, shall we? You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. Okay, got my two co-hosts here today. Do we want to start with what I think is Canada's biggest question mark or Canada's biggest check mark? Um. I can think there might be multiple question marks, so why don't we go with the check mark first? Alright. The forwards is the check mark for me. Canada as even when we were considering NHL participation, we're stacked on forwards. And in this case, there's no difference. In my head, Canada is great at developing forwards. I'd say probably the best in the world. We'll start with Daniel Carr. He is playing for HC Lugano of the Swiss NLA National League A, the first league, first highest ranked league, I guess. Um, in my mind, I've always thought the NLA is a higher tier of quality, uh, especially for forwards than the Finnish leagues, uh, the Czech leagues, and all that. I'd consider them number four, um, maybe five if you consider the AHL, but I don't. I think AHL is a step lower. Um, so Swiss league, he's played very well this season's 15 points in 17 games. Uh, in the past, he's played for the capitals in the NHL, the predators in the NHL, um, the Canadian Jeffrey got you, uh, the golden Knights. So kind of bounced around, but it sounds like he's gotten a home in Switzerland, 15 points, 17 games. Guys, what do you guys got for this? All I remember was that he had wheels. Like, he's a shifty skater, and I think that's going to play well on Olympic ice. I think you need speed. So I think Daniel Hartcar, you know, he's a good pick, I think, here. You know, he's in his prime, well, prime age. So, you know, he, he should be, you know, okay, I would say. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to say, right? Like, when you, I don't know if they're the 
best forward group out of all the teams participating in the Olympics. But I, I will agree with you that, you know, maybe Canada is better at developing forwards than maybe the other positions. See, I've got that a completely different perspective, Daniel Carr. Right? I feel like I don't think he skates that well, to be honest with you. I don't find that he's a quite a speedy guy in my mind. He's more of a bigger body up front who plays well around the boards. You know what I mean? Like he's the type of guy you bring in as like your energy guy, a third line type of guy. I think that's where he slots in. Um, I think he slots in very similarly with our next person, uh, former ninth round pick in the 2004 NHL draft, Adam Cracknell, uh, formerly of the Blues, Jackets, Anson, gotcha there, the Canucks, Oilers, Stars, Rangers, Ducks. Um, currently plays in the AHL uh, with the Bakersfield Condor, so that's the Ducks uh, affiliate. Um, I think he plays a similar role of car. I think. Honestly, when I look at it, a lot of these names will play very similar just because of who's available, honestly. But Cracknell, I think he's going to be an effective player. It's going to be hard. I think especially with Canadian and American fans, we're going to be kind of basing it to, hey, what it could have been, right? We could have had Crosby. We could have had McDavid. We could have had um, Mitch Marner, you know, et cetera. But instead, we have AHLers, right? And that's, that's that's a hard decision to make. But at the same time, I think Cracknell is that energy guy, but he can he can score, and you need that balance. And I'm rambling. So, Jeffrey? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I agree with your assessment on Carr, but I do agree, like, Cracknell is going to be more of that, you know, third, fourth line, you know, lead, part of the leadership group, I think. As an AHLer, I think, you know, teams understand, you know, maybe he's not up to the NHL, but he's kind of the guy that you want on your NHL, um, on your AHL team, sorry. So, like, guys like Rick Clune, like, guys you know that, you know, maybe skill-wise they're not up there, but, you know, locker room presence. And I think Cracknell, you know, fits on this team. I think he was, like, one of the first names people were thinking about. You know, he has the skill set. But he's also, you know, known as a good leader. And I think that's, you know, why he's on this team. Well, speaking of leaders, though, the next player on my list, he has an A for his Swiss team, H.E. Freeburg-Gothrin. Um, plays for the Dragons there. First line center, possibly. Former Hab, David Deharney. Fans will know him most likely for playing for the Canadian. Um, after that, he did play a few games with the Oilers and the Rangers before moving to KHL. He's had a pretty good year in the NLA as well. 30 points in 37 games. Jeffrey, what can you tell our listeners about David Darnay as you are the Habs fan of this podcast? I would probably say there's another former Habs center that might be the top line center, in my opinion. But Darnay, you know, smaller player, good playmaker. Um I think, you know, he, he's a guy who has, that ex, you know, NHL experience. So I think he gives you a little bit more, you know, experience on this team. And I think in general, this team has a lot more experience than what I would normally think. You know, when I look at the opportunity that's been presented with no NHLers, I thought that we would see a younger team. But I feel like in general, my impression of Team Canada, you know, they brought some, you know, more veteran players. Deharnay represents that, you know, thinking. And I think, 
you know, he, he's going to be a good player for this team. I think, you know, middle six is uh, not out of the question for him. You know, I haven't tossed it over to my other co-host all episode. Anton, what is your assessment of David Deharnay or any of the players that I've kind of gone over so far? I'll start with the one that you you mentioned uh, most recently, Deharnay. You know, he was most recently in, well, this was A, but in terms of NHL experience, like, he's not that far out of the league. 2017, 2018, he was still with the Rangers. He wasn't, like, he wasn't bad, but he was, like, you know, not as good as he was back with Montreal and stuff, right? Obviously, 60 points in 81 games, uh, 52 and 79, but he's still, like, productive. And a couple of years after his NHL career, he's still being pretty solid in terms of, like, you know, in 45, like last year, 45 games, 40 points this year. In 37 games, he's got 30 points. He's still a very, um, what do you say? He's still being productive, even though it's like a lower level. But I do think having him, having all these guys that you just mentioned, like a bit of a mix of veteran presence along with like a couple of young guys who you're going to mention, you know, Mason McTavish and stuff. Um, it's a good It's a good balance, I think, especially for this Olympics roster. No, yeah, you brought up some good points. Um, Jeffrey, I, I know who you're talking about, but we're going to save that for a bit. But Anson did bring up one thing, 2017-2018. Uh, last time our next player was played in the NHL, he played two games with the Minnesota Wild. Before that, played for the Bruins, uh, Red Wings, and was a former second-round pick. So a former higher overall pick. I had 32nd overall, so that's pretty high pick, right? Um Former top prospect hasn't necessarily planned out. However, he has been crushing it in the DEL. Um, that's, I don't know if you're going to have to maybe go down a little bit lower here in terms of the ratings for the league, but the DEL is still a quality league. We know we've seen some great players come under there. Uh, first one that comes out of mind is Leon Dreisaitl. Um, you know, did play in the DEL as a teenager. If you ask, 10 hockey fans right now, nine of them will say that he's an elite forward, and the 10th one is a Calgary Flames fan. Um, but I'm kind of moving on here. Uh, Landon Ferraro, I think he could be more of a fourth-line guy, a bottom-six type of guy. Um, am I being too rough on this assessment? I think you're giving too much praise to the DEL when Drysaddle hasn't played for the DEL, I believe. I think he's played for the DNL, but not the DEL, I think. I'm not 100% sure on that, but... You are correct. <laughs> so, I wonder. Landon Ferraro, connection with Ray Ferraro. Hmm. I do see a potential trend in this team that was announced. There might be another similar pick that maybe questioned uh, if they're the, you know, the the best pick. I would say. I mean, like, yes, you know, I think you know he's he's a good player, but I wonder. It just it just causes you know gives me a little bit pause about you know why he's included on this team. I think Jeffrey undervalues DEL and. You know what? He was right about Leon all, but I'd say my Calder pick for the year, Moritz Sider, former DEL player. So, I mean, DEL has a bit of a experience developing players. Answer anything from you for Landon Ferraro? Is this, a, in, your, in Jeffrey's words, a nepotism pick for you as well? 
I mean, at this point, it's you kind of also need guys to kind of fill out the bottom six. And, you know, like you said, we don't have the luxury of picking the guys from the NHL rosters, like debating, you know, whether Mark Shifley or Mitch Marner is going to fill out the bottom six roles. Where with this, like, you have, I'd say, more options because, you, you know, you got the top end guys, you know, Eric Stahl. I'm jumping ahead, right? But we got Eric Stahl and guys who you know are going to be your top line guys. But you also need to build out a good base for your uh, for your team. So like you know, you're you're confident in throwing that them out on the ice for a few minutes if need be. But at the same time, you're like, that's fine. I think that's exactly what Ferraro is. He's he's good, but he's not what you would um, expect a whole lot. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, next player. This one should be familiar to both Echoes, Josh Hosang. Uh, I'd say a player with a tremendous offensive instinct, a tremendous amount of speed, who may have had some issues in the past with his defense and you know his awareness without the puck. However, He's crushed in the AHL this year, right? 20 points, 27 games. Talk to most Leafs fans, and they'll tell you he's the guy that they want to come up on the NHL. Come up to the NHL even for a game or two to at least appreciate the work he's done, right? So for you guys, you guys, what do you guys think about Joshua saying? What do you guys got for this one? Is he not just like the sexy, feel-good pick? Of this team, like I know you say crushing, but to me, twenty goal, twenty points in twenty seven is not crushing. Like I want to see like at least over point per game if you're going to say crushing. So I I feel like he's just a, I'm I think he might just be like the feel good story pick. I don't know. I I think he deserves it definitely, but I I wonder if he's just one of those you know oh let's you know he's done so good he's you know uh you know made himself into a better player. He's become like a true hockey player now. And, you know, let's give him this opportunity to, to represent uh, Team Canada. I, I disagree there on that one, actually. I think when you do look at Marley games, he does stand out. And I think the big thing for Team Canada for selecting Joshua Sang was his skating ability and the power play. Um and his ability for that, right? It's a bigger ice. You have more space. The speed will come to a larger advantage here. On the power play, he's got that offensive instinct. Even if he's used in, let's say, a second or third line role, you know, and let's say he's a special teams specialist, I think there's value there in games in the Olympic ice that's different you know what i mean in the nhl smaller ice more compact that physical attribute is more important um but if you look at his ahl abilities and his known abilities for his speed i mean i think that works really well for what they need yeah no i agree i think like he he fits like what they're trying to build for this team i think he gives them a little bit speed gives him a I, like i want to say youth i know he's not you know young young like some other players on the scene but like he does you know does quite a few 
older individuals on this team. So I think he you know, provides a little bit more youth and energy to this team. So I, I agree with your assessment there. In that. I think it's great. It's that he gets a chance. Like after bouncing around for a while, he, he's been doing really well in the AHL. And he gets a call up basically, or he gets like, you know, he gets an invite to the Olympics, right? And he may be a power play specialist, but at the same time, it's like, at the same time, it's just that, you know, you need that, especially in the Olympics where, say, like the offense this like for this Olympics games won't be as good, right? So even you have like one or two, like, you know, offensive specialist or defensive specialist, I think they balance each other out where, you know, one's going to save you a couple of goals and the other one's going to give you a couple more goals, which is going to be really important in like such a short tournament. At the end of the day, go an Olympic medal is an Olympic medal. McDavid doesn't have one. If this team has ones, that's one up on McDavid that they have. Um, but moving on, Corbin Knight, Jeffrey, He's crushing it in the KHL. 48 points in 47 games. Over a point a game. Um, so he is crushing it. Uh, it's been his third year in the KHL. This year has been his best. Uh, past in the NHL, he has 23 games with the Flyers, uh, 20 games with the Panthers, and nine games with the Flames. Um, I feel like the team is going to rely on him for a bit more scoring. It's Canada, though. You know, it's going to be four lines of scoring. That's the goal. That's the mindset the team has always come up with. Um, but if, if you can do it in the KHL, I feel like you could probably do it in the Olympics. I think he's going to be relied on to score more goals for a team that may be a little bit slower than we're used to, which is a concern of mine. But we'll, we'll talk about the end. But this team could use a guy like Corbin Knight. Jeffrey, what do you have? Uh, I know we're trying to really hype up this team, but like like you said before, right? When we're trying to compare it to what we could have had with the NHL players, you know, yes, you're going to have four lines of scoring, but then you look at the guys, you're like, can they really score? I mean, I guess, you know, because all, uh, all the teams are not going to have NHL players, maybe like it's going to be a little bit more level playing field, but at the same time, it's like, yes, we're going to depend on Corbin Knight, you know, a guy who has, you know, 52 games of NHL experience to be, you know, someone to, you know, give us a spark of outburst on the, the, the offense. Like, I don't know. It's kind of hard. I know you're trying to really, you know, push it and make it exciting, but you know, for me, uh, maybe I'm just, you know, a little bit down today. I just not feeling it. Okay. In his defense. Okay. Corbin Knight's the third leading scorer in the KHL right now. Like, you gotta cut him some slack. He's the KHL, I think, in my mind, is the second best league in the world. Jeffrey, do you agree? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Anson, do you agree the KHL is probably the second best league in the world? Absolutely. Yeah, and he's the third leading scorer, the highest scorer for the Canadians. In the KHL, and you're not allowed bringing the best league in the world. I, f- I feel like you could be excited for for a Corbin Knight. I mean, like, yeah, obviously. At the same time, it sucks. It's you're not getting a first line of I don't know McDavid, Crosby, and insert player here McKinnon. 
whoever. McKinnon, yeah. Sorry, I blanked. You could tell I blanked. But at the same time, like I think, you know, in my mind, I think we're gonna we're just gonna, we're gonna take a segue here. But in my mind, I kind of am more excited for this Olympics than past years in the sense that we got to see what happened in Pyeongchang, and it wasn't just Canada winning nine nothing for you know, four or five games in a row than, you know, having tight games. It's actually going to be tight games. As a hockey fan, is that not what you ideally want? Like, if you're a neutral fan, you're not a Canadian, you know, you're in a different country and you're watching the Olympic Games, is a tight game not more excited than turning on the TV as the marquee matchup is Canada destroying, I don't know, insert country here, Eight round, nothing. Ro- round robin China. Yeah, like as, as a hockey fan, is that not more exciting to watch that? No, I like to watch Canada destroy teams. See, these are the type of fans that share for the Lightning, um, the Buccaneers, the Warriors, the Dodgers, uh, and then in soccer, it, it's like PSG or like sorry, Paris Saint Germain or like Real Madrid. We had this conversation yesterday, and you're just talking about yourself right there. I'm a Kings fan. I'm still a Kings fan. <laughs> I'm suffering. I'm suffering through the Kings right now. I don't want to hear it from you, Jeffrey. Um, but Anton, do you agree with me or Jeffrey? Would you, as a not a Canada fan, as a generic fan watching hockey for the first time, which one do you prefer? If you're just trying to like reach out to broader, like broader audiences, you know, yeah, I think obviously a closer game would be way more fun to watch because like you're not, you know, at the third at the start of the third period, you're not winning eight zero. You're maybe winning two one. It's way more entertaining to watch a game that's close. Whether you know at the end of the near the end of the game they pull the goalie and becomes maybe three one, who knows? But like it's way better to watch that than to watch a game that becomes like fifteen one at the end of the day. Especially if you're just reaching out to like newer audiences or like obviously as a fan like of Team Canada, uh I would prefer they kinda stomp their way through. But if you're saying as like a neutral fan or like a new fan, yeah, I think close matchups are the way to go. So are you saying you'd rather watch seven-year-old Tim Bits hockey, you know, skate around the ice as a close game versus, you know, watching high-end skill versus a team that's not as skilled? No, that's not what I mean. I mean that I would rather watch a best-on-best tournament with a high level of skill. Just because you don't have the best players in the world, it doesn't mean that you're going to have Tim Bits hockey. Did he just compare Tim Bits to Olympics? Yeah, either you think the Timbits seven-year-old or eight-year-old, I don't know how old they are, whatever Timbits hockey is, like kids hockey is an Olympic-level skill, or you think these Olympians that don't play in the NHL can get bested in a competitive game with eight-year-olds. No, what I'm comparing here is watching a close game versus watching, a, you know, a more one-sided game, right? That's what I'm trying to compare. I'm not comparing in terms of skill level, but, like, if you're saying is it more enjoyable to watch, you know, 
maybe teams with, you know, similar skill but less skill is more exciting than watching, you know, maybe a more one-sided affair, but, you know, there's higher skill. So that's why I'm comparing. Not not the levels. I'm not saying, you know, the Olympics this year is going to be the same as Timbit hockey. I'm just saying that, you know, I'm just trying to argue the point that, you know, sometimes it's nicer to watch, you know, a more one-sided affair when you can see more skill. And I think that's the excitement that some fans want to watch. You don't want to watch, you know, two teams go back and forth in a 0-0 affair. Sometimes they want to actually see, you know, goals and stuff. And sometimes, you know, I guess a close game would be nice too. But like, especially the Olympics, you want to see best on best. So I don't know. That's just my opinion. Okay. But for me though, it's, I think it's more important to, to grow the game for the Olympics. And I think what grows the game is watching that one, one nail biter and it's overtime. And you're just like, I can't, go grab a snack right now because I might miss the deciding goal versus it being nine, nothing. I'm me being like, you know what? I'm feeling like McDonald's. I'm going to go for a drive. I'll come back. Worst case scenario, I'd be like nine, two. I wouldn't miss much. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. My, my, my thing is, I don't think I'm going to be watching Olympics because I'm not as invested, but I guess if you are like, you know, as I think it's hard because, you know, biased in, towards that we are are hockey fans like we want to we we know who we're watching right um but like i guess as someone that maybe hasn't seen hockey or isn't as you know well versed maybe they're more excited than just watching the overall game and that overall entertainment but for you know maybe the more seasoned hockey fan maybe it's not as exciting anymore when you're yes nail biters are great but when you're not seeing the best players in the world play and you know no fault on the olympics for not being able to right like there's a freaking pandemic going on. So that's why they can't be there. But I, I just think like, you know, I, I want to see skill. And that's maybe because I'm a more seasoned hockey fan than others. Look at that gatekeeping. No, I'm kidding, Jeffrey. Um, so even for seasoned hockey fans like you, Jeffrey, there's a name that there's a couple names that I've never really followed. And it's on me. I don't follow NCAA hockey. Uh, Jack McBain, third round pick of the Minnesota Wild. Uh, seems like he's doing pretty, pretty well in uh, Boston College this season. 24 points in 18 games. Seasoned hockey fan, Jeffrey, what have you got? Tell me what you know about Jack McBain. See, the thing is that when we watch NCAA, like, yes, your, your senior players are going to, you know, have a lot more points and stuff, right? Because they're senior players, you know, they've grown in a little bit more. They've had that experience. So, like, you know, like, it's expected for players, you know, who have been, you know, who are seniors now, basically, are going to, you know, produce more points and stuff. So it, I, I think, you know, he's having a great season, but he's kind of off the radar a little bit. Maybe it's almost, I don't, the thing is too, is like, I, I look at this team, I'm like, there probably are better players that are available that could have been chosen, but these are also players that were, they're good, but the team was like, okay, we're also okay if, you know, you know, they go to the Olympics for, you know, two or three weeks. They go through quarantine. We're okay with that type of thing. So, you know, Jack McRing, you know, good luck at your first Olympics. But, you know, to me, I'm like, I'm not super excited about the pick. I'm waiting for him to absolutely crush it and just make Jeffrey eat his words. So, I don't know about but I am a Jack McBain fan for this team. So... Next up is the biggest question mark on forwards for me. Mason McTavish. And before, like, I think for me, this is kind of 
the reason why he's a big question mark is he's just played a lot of teams, but not a lot of games. So he's been on four teams this year, if you're not even including the Canadian teams, as in the international teams. He's played for the Ducks, three points in nine games. Uh, the San Diego goals with AHL, two points in three games. And then in the OHL for the Peets and the Bulldogs sort of combined 12 points in seven games. Um, for me, it's just a really small sample size. Because if you look at others, he's played for the Peets for a year. Before that, he had 42 points in 57 games. I'm assuming a lot of this comes from his World Juniors where he had five points in two games. But at the same time, I think for me, this is the biggest question mark on the team, Mason McTavish, where how much can how much have scouts seen of him being that he hasn't really played this year? Can I counter argue with the fact that you're big you're you're the player that you're now the biggest fan of Jack McBain has played in eighteen games this season and you're harping on McTavish for playing twenty one games this season? Okay, but I'm looking at McBain and I see three more years of high level hockey to base my assumptions on. Can we also say that Mason McTavish is three years younger than Jack McBain? Oh, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve to be on this team. I'm just saying there's just not that body of work that gives me the confidence compared to other players. See, I actually really like this pick. I think I thought that Team Canada should have done what the U.S. does every time, you know, for these Olympic rosters where they can't, you know, have the best on best. And they just go young. And I think Mason McTavish, I think he's the one that's going to surprise, not Jack McBain or, you know, any of these uh, like Corbin Knight that you've like chosen to be, you know, so, like I, Mason McTavish probably will be a scratch for his first game. But I see him as like the Connor Bedard of the Team Canada World Junior Team. Where maybe he's on the periphery in the beginning, but slowly grows in throughout the tournament and, you know, eventually becomes a more integral part. So I, I like the Mason McTavish pick. I'd say for me, I think it's, you know, you got a bunch of veterans, like I said. It doesn't hurt to bring a couple of young guys, right? So in that sense, it's like worst case, like, like Jeffrey said, you, you don't play them. You have a couple of guys on reserves, so you don't play them. But best case, like Jeffrey says, he's your Conor Bedard. He's the guy you play. Like he's the guy who surprises you and plays a lot of games and scores a lot of goals and whatever but it doesn't hurt especially with the way that kind of COVID has stunted his uh development the past couple of years like bring him to the olympics playing against like grown men and everything i think it's a really good opportunity for him yeah no i i am fully expecting to be wrong don't get me wrong um for me it's just that smaller body of work that Makes it harder for me. I think I don't necessarily think he shouldn't deserve to be there. I just it's hard. Um, so moving on to someone who does have a large body of work, Eric Odell, currently plays for Dinamo Moscova of the KHL. This one I can see Jeffrey being a bit more confused. Um, he only has thirty-two points in forty-seven games. Only I'm using it very lightly. Um, previously, he had three points in nine games in the KHL year before that. He has played for the Winnipeg Jets, a total of 41 games in the NHL. 
I'm guessing like as like a fourth line center type of deal. Um, guys, <laughs> yeah, I like for me. Yeah, it's just I think for me, I see him as like a fourth line center. Um, pretty sure he's pretty good on the faceoffs. Um, and sometimes you just need that defensive center. Uh, we were mentioning before with Josh O'San being that offensive minded player. You flip that around, you maybe that's what Eric Odell's here for that defensive mind, especially when you're trying to close down a game or you need a crucial faceoff win. I'm guessing this is where he's coming in. Uh, I, I wonder, like a lot of these guys played, who like who played in like the KHL and like they were part of the European Hockey Tour this this season. So I wonder if these are just guys like they're like oh you know they've represented Canada, they kind of understand that like, you know that's you know. That's the tune-up, so why don't we, you know, include some of those guys uh, on our Olympic team? And you know, I, I'm I'm okay with it. I I don't see too big of a problem with the pick. You know, just a depth guy filling out the roster. Alrighty, uh, next up is the one that you guys are most excited for. So excited for we got a cameo of him earlier. Anton, who is he? Is this Eric Stahl? It is Eric Stahl. Look at that. Uh, look at that guessing work. So, I don't think he needs an introduction. Does he? I don't think so. I think even like he's, you know, he hasn't played this season. He was still playing last season. He was still playing like the past few years. He's been productive. He's not, he's not bad, I would say. He's been very good, like 52 points in 81 games a couple years ago, 47 and 66. Like last year, or like two years ago, I guess, technically, with Buffalo and Montreal. Kind of falling off a bit more, but he's, he was, what, I don't know, 36 at that point. You kind of expect that. So, yeah, but at the same time, I think having him as a president, a Stanley Cup winner, a guy who's been through everything, whether it's locker room presence uh, or just like a guy who's just going to bring the team and put, put it on his back even. Just like, I think he's the guy you want. Especially with like, you know, you can't bring uh, specifically NHL players to this. I was actually like fairly surprised that he didn't have, like he isn't in the NHL right now. I thought like, I know he, he didn't have the greatest, you know, Last, like he hasn't had the greatest season last year in the playoffs, you know, fourth line center. But like that experience, I thought like someone would, you know, offer him a PTO. But I wonder if, you know, maybe, maybe it's not from like, you no know, teams and stuff. Maybe it's Stall himself. He was like, you know, like, uh, maybe, you know, I need, you know, put a hold on stuff. You know, maybe there's other things that are going on that he needs to consider. So maybe that's why he didn't, you know, sign with the NHL team. But, you know, Especially with, like you know, he's tuned up with the with the Iowa Wild. You know, he's looking pretty good. Shows that he can still play. He's you no, know, still got some ener- some legs under him. So, I, I I'm gonna be interested. I think he's is that top line center. I think that this team is gonna need. I think that experience. I mean, maybe he moves down the lineup if you know he doesn't have he isn't able to play those all like all those games all at once. But I I could see him being like you know your your main guy like. Captain material probably is, uh, I think, a lot of people are saying. Yeah, I think he's most likely the captain. Um, moving on to another former captain, the captain of the Binghamton Devils, but he's moved to the DEL, Jeffrey, so the league you hate the most, Ben Street. Again, 
a bit older, 34-year-old, 30 points in 31 games. Another two-way guy, I think he's going to – I don't know where he slots in, I'll be honest with you. Um, He does play on the wing, on the left wing. Uh, Does skate pretty well. Does have some history in terms of quality. Um, In the NHL, he has played a few games, three games with the Devils, 21 with the Ducks. Uh, six with the Wings, seven with the Avalanche, and the three against the Avalanche. So a couple games with the Flames as well. So a bit of more of a a tweener. Um, I think he goes on the wing, but it's a very Canada thing to just load up on centers. And I think I think as we go through this list here, it's really showing, right? Canada just screw it. We'll go crazy on the centers. And then we'll move them over to the wing. And I think this is just the continuation of that philosophy there. Moving on, we have three more forwards left. And this is our first Swedish Elite League forward. Adam Tambellini should be somewhat familiar to fans. He has played for in the Spengler Cup for, for Team Canada. Um, maybe I just watched too much hockey. I can't tell. Um, 35 points in 32 games. Breaks that Jeffrey's point-of-game barrier. Um, he's never played the NHL. I think he will be used more as a left-winger as well, um, but more in that similar role as Eric O'Dell and more of that defensive specialist role. Um, but at the same time, he's shown that he can score some points. Let me toss it over to my co-host. He's like my... Like, he seems like another pick that has, like, you know, those so-called connections. I mean, like, he's represented Canada at the Spangler Cup. He was also on the EHT. But I, I wonder, right, like, you know, he, he his dad, Steve Tamblini, who is, you know, one of the original hockey men. So I, I have, like, a really sneaky feeling that, like Landon Ferraro, who, you know, has those connections in, you know, Hockey Canada. I wonder about this pick. You know, maybe a more, you know, suitable pick than Landon Ferraro, but, um, yeah, it's a little bit, uh, I don't know. It's not one of those picks where I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Moving on, we've got two more forwards left. Jeffrey, you got to be excited for this one. Former Hab, Jordan Wheel. He's played, uh, I think he's most notable for his time with the Flyers. Maybe it's me. So my co-host, let me know if I'm wrong. Uh, 30 points in 36 games. You know, for me, it's he's the type of guy where he's bringing for that playmaking ability. Um, I see him as possibly being one of those guys that move to the wing just because we have too many centers. Um, Jeffrey... As the Habs specialist on this podcast, what's Scotty report? I'm just really surprised you didn't mention that Wheel was in the Kings organization for... Did he start off as a Kings prospect? I, I thought that's... Like, he came over from building that Luke Shen, Le Clavier, like, dump or whatever it was. You are right, Jeffrey. He did have his start with the Los Angeles Kings. That's his first NHL debut former third-round pick of the Los Angeles Kings. Um, I think at the end of the day, it is a smaller sample size, 10 games of a player's first NHL games. 
he's developed over time. So that's why I'm tossing it over to you, Jeffrey. What's the scouting report for him? Ah, uh, yeah, no, I think he's gonna like. I agree with you. The playmaking ability is where that's gonna be. Like it's uh, and wing. Yeah, I, I feel like when you play on like Olymp- Olympic or international ice. You want your centers, you know, obviously you want skating ability, but you want your wings to have that speed. And I think Wheel has a little bit more speed, a little bit more playmaking on the wing size. I could see Wheel, you know, you know, being on that middle six there. I don't know about top six. I think, like, it's hard, right? Like, compared to, you know, when we had the NHL players, you could, you know, guess lines. Here, I think, you know, we're completely, we have no idea what Claude Julian's going to do in terms of lines. And is it just me or are you... It, does it feel like almost every player has been like a former have or something? Besides Stahl, Wheel, and Darnay, who else? Ah, uh, there's Daniel Carr. Uh, okay, maybe not that much, but I don't know. I just felt like every time we talked about it, you threw it over to me. It was like about, oh, former have or was somehow part of the Habs organization some really weird way but i don't know i I think you know jordan wheel i think he's a good player another guy who i feel like he could be in the nhl um as like a depth guy but you know i think he's doing a lot uh doing well in the khl right now so you know good on him hey if he was in the nhl right now he wouldn't be making the olympic team one guy and our final forward was not a hab so it's not gonna be tossed over to you Quickly, Jeffrey. Uh, Daniel Winnick, uh, former Coyote, Avalanche, Shark, Duck, Leaf, Penguin, Capital, Wild. So played for multiple teams. Uh, currently plays for Genève Servette, uh, NLA of the Swiss League. Uh, 42 points in 36 games. I am hopeful for Daniel Winnick. I don't think he's going to get an NHL deal from this Olympic team, but... I think he's going to be relied on to score a lot. Um, and I think he's on that hot streak right now. And you know hockey, when you're on a good streak, you're on a good streak. He's got 22 goals this season in 36 games. In the Swiss League that I mentioned, you know, right off the start, I think it's the fourth best, fourth or fifth best league in the world. I think that's the role he's going to play. And for a casual fan, I think him and Stahl are the two names that you – are most likely the most recognizable. Um, I feel bad tossing over to Jeffrey every time. So, Anson, are those the two most recognizable names on the forward lines for you? Just skimming it, yeah, I would say so. You're right. It's uh, Winnick and Stahl. It's, when you think of Stahl, you think of a guy who's been playing for, well, ever. And then Winnick is, for me, I don't know about you guys, but he's kind of the guy where kind of gets dealt mid-season, almost every season, through the, like, 2010s, through, like, recently he's been like mid-seasons like when it's been traded for like a couple of picks basically every year it feels like but but if you look at his career totals he's not outstanding he's about i don't know like 0.4 uh points a game but he's kind of upped it up since we joined the swiss leagues and i think especially like this season like you said 22 goals in like only 37 games he's and like you said, in a hot streak, that's all you really need, especially in a short tournament like this one. Just a quick hot streak, a guy who kind of just scores like a handful will get you really far in a, in a short tournament like this one. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that assessment from Anson. Like, I, I wonder 
he always in the NHL he was always more kind of relied more on like a third line role, but you know I, he's kind of shown in the NLA that he can you know step it up a notch and be like that top line guy. So I'm curious, like to see where he fits in on this team. I I think that's that's the one thing I have. We're gonna we're gonna have trouble because like these guys are all guys that you know we're not like a hundred percent familiar as you know with as we would be with the NHL players. So like really coming up with like you no know, potential lines. I think it's going to be hard. I, I think maybe we have to like look back at, you know, some of the games in the EHT this year and be like, you know, maybe there's a line there that did really well. And that's why, you know, they were all brought in as part of the Olympic team. Maybe at least to give a little bit of chemistry. But I'm going to be really curious how like everyone kind of fits in in this roster. Yeah. And I think in the past for Can, at least on the offense, it was just like, hey, who's just the best offensive players? Right. And I think it's not as much of a plug and play this year as it has been in the past. It's be much more reliant on looking at, Hey, where can we put these specialized players to succeed? I think that's going to be the question, right? Um, so the forward group as a whole, what's the assessment guys? Ah, uh, I, I think it's okay, but I, I feel like, Maybe maybe it's a little bit on the older side, and maybe that's just a general assessment of the entire team. But I just wonder, will they be able to? Like I know we said, you know, oh they're gonna have you know good speed and everything, and they've got like a mix of everything. But if I looked at this and compared it to like some of the other teams that have been, you know, other rosters. I wonder if the forward group might be a little bit slow, like against obviously, like, you know, the better teams. I think if you were to put it like out of 10, like seven, basically like what Jeffrey said, it's not outstanding, but for what you can, what you, the roster that you made, I love it. You know, the rest of the leagues, I think that's fairly solid. You got some speed, you got some size, you got some like youth, you got some experience. I think it's a pretty good mix, but you know, obviously not as good as where you to bring NHL talent, like all, all of them, but but what you have, I think it's a very good like seven, seven point five out of ten. Yeah, and I think realistically, you know, guys like Stahl and Winnick, in their prime, they wouldn't have made this team, right? They'd be in the NHL. So I think the age, I understand it. At the end of the day, I understand it. Uh, moving on to the defense, this was one of the question marks for I think for Jeffrey, but I don't think this is the question mark. My question marks in net, uh, Mark. Barbario, he's played a couple games, so two with the uh, Lightning. Sorry, fifty fourth the Lightning. Jeffrey, I got you here. He's got fifty six with the Habs. Uh, he's got a couple seasons with the Avalanche. You know, one thing I did notice is that there is there is a lot of leaders in this team, and uh, he is one of them. Uh, before he went on loan to the KHL. He was the captain of the Luzanne Hockey Club in the NLA. Uh, this year, he's got split between Luzanne and Akbar's Kazan. KHL has got nine points in 20 games. For me, he, I know he is more of an offensive defenseman. Honestly, I'm fine with that. I think for a defenseman, this is probably, I want to say as good as it gets, obviously. But at the same time, he's going to be expected to play a bit more of an offensive role. And for a guy who's used to international ice, I think this is probably a pretty good selection. How am I wrong, Jeffrey? Ah, 
I don't, again, also, maybe I'm being a downer today, but, you know, I, I don't have to, I won't disagree on everything you say. I think Barbario, he's a good, solid pick for this team. You know, he was always that, I always kind of remember him as uh, Avs uh, on that third pair, but, you know, he, he's going to be, you know, I think, you know, one of the guys on this team that, you know, is going to help with, you know, some of the puck moving a little bit, but maybe it's just in general, another older guy on a larger sheet of ice is, you know, not not what I thought, you know, Team Canada was going to come up with. So we did talk about earlier, hey, what are we doing for lines and all that stuff, right, guys? Yeah. So this next pick, I believe, my hunch is that this is because of lines. The next defenseman on the list is also a defenseman for Akbar Skassan. Jason Demers. He has one point in five games this season. Um, what's the scouting report before I, I continue with this? Uh Shark, Panther, Star. I another guy who I thought would have an NHL contract. I thought like he's been solid. Like, you know, I think that contract that he signed, I think, with the was it the Coyotes he signed it to? Like, I don't remember. He signed, like, a very, like, a contract that, you know, turned out to be, you know, not worth what he was. And then he kind of, you know, went around the league a little bit where um, people were kind of still putting him down as, like, that third-pairing guy. And he was just being overpaid. But, like, I remember him as a shark. And he, was, he wasn't a bad player. So, I wonder if that contract kind of bogged him down too much. And then that, you know, lowered everyone's expectations. Sorry. Uh, no, sorry, not lowered. You know, raise everyone's expectations of him. He couldn't meet them, and then he kind of went in a steady decline from there. So, I I, I think he's a good pick, and I, I'm interested about like this line. You know, all these like these parents that you think you have thought out. Well, I think this is more of a chemistry thing, right? Like, you know, they they're familiar with each other. They play in the same pair in the KHL. Like, why not stick to what we have here? Um, but I feel like this is definitely a player that Anton probably has some sort of familiarity about. Oh, yeah. So, like like you said, just, like, playing on the same team, same line, makes a whole... Like, it's a probably, like, a pretty big uh, factor in your decision. Like, you know, back then, Kunitz kind of made the team because he was playing really, really well with Crosby, right? So, this could be, like, kind of the same thing, but on the back end, especially if, you know, we're not as deep on the back end this for this Olympics per se. So having a guy like Demers who has been, like Jeffrey said, very solid, but not outstanding, I think it's fine. I think having him on this on this team have like, you know, he's not completely like washed per se. He's just no one's offering a contract. He's been pretty okay that past few seasons so it doesn't hurt to have a guy with this much experience this much you know this many games under his belt to uh play on the olympics but i, I did recognize one thing you did say there also you said the has played five games with akbar kazan yes so are we really counting that as quote-unquote chemistry and that they would perform well yeah i would at least, like, you know, we at least 
have an idea of where your partner is going to be. Even I think it takes maybe about two or three games to at least the begin of an idea of where your partner is and like how you how they like to play. I think that's five more games than any other D partner there, though. I know. I'm just being a hard ass because Olsen says 20, however games Amazing Metagrafish played was not enough game time. And now every time he says anything less than that, I'm going to uh, catch him on that. All right. All right. All right. I'll give you that. Um, next up on that list. All right, Jeffrey, you ready for this one? He's only played two games with Lukabudov Yaroslavl this year because he's played 26 games with Dean Riga. Um, and that's Brandon Brandon Gormley, uh, former 13th overall pick who just didn't really pan out. Uh, I think the issue was always, I don't know, just it wasn't that consistent. You know, like he was highly touted, played for Canada in the under 20s, had six points in six games in that 2011-2012 U20 team. Um, for me, he was always a tweener in the sense that he could perform pretty well in the AHL, but just there was something that just couldn't click to get him in the NHL level. Um, and, you know, since then he's played in Europe for the SHL, Liga, which is Finland, which surprisingly, I don't think there's any Liga players. I might be wrong to kind of go over the list here with you guys, but he's also played in the DEL and now the KHL this year. Uh, he has 11 points in 28 games. I find him as one of those kind of two-way defenseman type of things. Uh, I've always felt that he's usually one of the first guys back and, you know, on a rush, and that's valued for something. I think he ends up playing around like a top four, top four type of pairing. Um, can I toss it over to answer for this one? Yeah, like, wasn't like was he a... Jets prospect, or am I thinking of something else here? Coyotes. Coyotes, okay. But like you said, it's just unfortunate that it just didn't pan out at the end of the day. It's what the last game he played in the AHL was 2015-2016 with the ass, but since then he's kind of been in the AHL, like you said, he's been bouncing around for a bit. But it looks like, you know, the past couple of seasons he's been finding his steady like his his spot in the lineup, whether it's in the DEO or the KHO. So, that being said, it's just, I think, having a you know, calming presence, a guy who can kind of secure your top four, your top six, eat some minutes, doesn't hurt at all. Yeah, uh, I kind of wish he, you know, panned out in the end. I, like, he, he seemed like he had the tools, but just couldn't put it all together at the NHL level. And he's, he's made a career out of it, you know, overseas. So, you know, I, I think he's someone that Team Canada likes in terms of, you know, international tournaments at, when they don't have the NHL players. So I, I can see him being a... He, he's a good player, I think. He'll fit in on this team. So next up on my list here, Alex Grant. Uh, another KHLer. He's been in the KHL for a while, uh, for four years now with Jokrit in Finland. Um, NHL experience, not much. I think seven games, I think is what I counted. I think he's a sneaky good player. Um, I think he's one of those guys that could probably make an NHL team, but he'd be at a 6-7 defenseman. He's sound defensively. I like his ability to shoot. I know people have kind of 
not been the biggest fan of his defensive ability, but I, I like it. I think it's adequate for what he does. Um, I could see an argument where he is another power play specialist. Maybe he gets scratched a couple of games in the beginning, but he offensively gets gets it done. I'm not complaining. Um, do you guys have anything to add on this one? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I'm being ageist, but another older defenseman. I know, yes, you know, probably uh, got the offensive capabilities, but I wonder, like, Team Canada, could we maybe have gone a little bit younger, you know, add a little bit more youth to this team? That's my opinion. That's all. I mean, like you said, it just we kind of need, well, I was going to say, as Jeffrey said, there are s- someone who's going to be a, a bit of a younger on this roster, but, you know, he's been in the KHL for a few years. He's been a bit accustomed to the like bigger ice. I think that it's a pretty big factor when you compare that to like, you know, pulling someone from like say the AHL and putting them on the international ice or having someone who's been playing in the KHL for the past few years, who's been used to it. Right. I think having just the experience of playing that as well is a bit of a difference maker when it comes to a decision making like this. So I, I think it's, fine i don't think it's anything exceptional but i think it's definitely fine okay so jeffrey you're gonna absolutely hate this next player maxine noro uh 34 year old come on jeffrey does that bother you a little bit sound i feel like it might um for me this is a bit of a question mark he's played six games of the wild but that was way back in 09 10 and 10 11 he has been just kind of a Swiss played in Switzerland for the longest time, you know, since 2011, 2012, he played two years in the HL. Besides that, it's all in the Swiss league. For me, the question mark here is that it seems like he plays a very similar game to our last person. We talked about Alex Grant, you know, kind of that ability to play that power play um, plays adequate defense. Um, I don't know. For me, this is a bit of a question mark, but I can see the value there. Um, the use of the bigger ice, I think that is a big advantage. I think that's part of the reason why there weren't as many AHLers picked as many people expected. Um, it's, there's value of just getting being used to that bigger ice there, right? Um, I mean, I I don't. Okay, I'm not, I'm not complaining about the age, but I think in terms of like the type of player, and there's another guy who you're gonna mention about, I want to say two minutes from this point, that is gonna fit this exact same profile, where it's like, do we have to have like, the, yes, you know, we need the experience, we need guys who you know played on larger ice, but bringing like two, three guys of the exact same mold is a little bit, you know, maybe two going a little bit overboard and I, I don't know I, I'm, I'm okay with this pick I think you know he, he's a guy and I think the big part of him as well is that I do remember him on quite a few Spengler Cup teams so one of that familiar familiarity with Hockey Canada you know played a factor here so when you do quite a few you are correct. He has played for one, two, three, four, five, six Spengler Cup teams. Um, so he's well versed in that Spengler Cup realm. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, I think maybe that that's the value there. Maybe that's what I missed, right? So the next player on my list is 
Matt Robinson. And I think, wait, never mind, we skipped a player. And that is the player that Jeffrey, I think, is most excited for. And that's the six foot six first overall pick, Owen Power. 26 points in 24 games in the NCAA for the University of Michigan Wolverines. Um, previous year, I had 16 points in 26 games. Man, is it just me, or is it going to be super weird when he wins a gold medal in the Olympics before he wins a world junior or world championship gold medal? I think it's kind of cool to see like how much international experience he's had. All right. I, I mean, I still it's still kind of shocking to me that as uh the first like like the most recent overall first overall pick did not play in the world juniors first before he played in the world championship but i i guess that 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 year you know last year team canada was quite stacked on d for the world juniors so he didn't make the team but like he's doing amazing in michigan i think he made the right decision to you know stay in school and not sign a contract yet with buffalo and i think that's really helping with his development and you know gives him the chance to represent canada at the olympics so i think he's gonna be you know, I think he's actually going to be on the team. Like, I don't think he's going to be like Mason McTavish where, you know, he's going to be on the periphery. I think Owen Power, like he was for the World Championship team, he's going to be, you know, an integral part of this team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's definitely going to be playing an integral role for this team. Um, I think he has proved to the Hockey Canada brass that, look, he's young, but there's a body of work there. And I think for me, at least that body of work is important, uh, especially on a younger player, right? There's not that pro stats to kind of support your work, but having that world championship where I think he, that was his coming out party. Um, so for me, I think that's important. Anything from you for that one, Anson? Yeah. I mean, this guy's first overall just last year. It's wild to think that he's going to play in the Olympics before he, you know, like you said, like he, he played a couple of games of World Junior, but before he even sets foot on NHL ice, it's just insane. But at six foot, how tall is he? Like six foot three, you said? Doesn't hurt to have a guy like this on your back. Six end. foot six. Six foot six. Great. Even better. Does not does not hurt have a guy of this uh, size and just like you know you you have guys who are like 35, 36, 37. You have a guy who's what nineteen. Doesn't hurt. Really good pick, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, so speaking of 34, 35, Matt Robinson. I think for me, this is actually the one of the best picks for defense. I'm not saying the best pick, one of the best picks. Um, 35-year-old plays for St. Petersburg. Previously played for CSKA Moscow uh, of the KHL. And I think for many fans who may not pay attention to the KHL as much, there's really like two teams that dominate the KHL usually. Uh, It's CSKA Moscow and St. Petersburg. And you kind of have to be, I would say, one of the best players in the country to really end up one of those two. He's been in that high level environment for such a long time. Um, 10 points in 35 games doesn't really spark as much as I'd like it to be, um, especially for a guy who is an offensive defenseman. 
But I think what's important for me is that previous Olympic experience. He was part of that 2018 team uh, that did finish bronze. I think it's a different level of experience between just being a bit older and that Olympic experience. Um, for a guy who still performs very well, I don't think you can ask for much more. But how am I wrong here, Jeffrey? No, I think he's he's a good pick. I agree with you. And I, I'm actually... It's because we went in alphabetical order. So maybe it makes me feel like... Makes it sound like, you know, Robinson, he's that third person who's the exact same mold as Grant. But I would say, like, Robinson is probably the best out of the three, in my opinion. Um, so, and I guess another thing you kind of mentioned, like, in terms of returning players from uh, that... Uh, 2018 Olympic team. There's really just him and well, Maxime Norrell that we mentioned just earlier, and Eric O'Dell. Because only those three guys are returning from that team from 2018. So I I can see him as being you know one of the leaders on this team as well. So we'll see. All right. So there's one more defenseman left, Tyler Wotherspoon, uh, an AHLer. So so much for me not saying AHLers, right? But former second round pick of the Calgary Flames, one of those guys who just hasn't panned out, um, has, f- uh, nope, 5 plus 14, 19 games of NHL experience. My math is still hopefully correct. Um, so this year he's had 10 points in 28 games. Honestly, this one is a bit of a question mark for me. Can either of you kind of give me the scouting report to kind of explain what's going on with this pick here? I wonder, like, he was kind of one of those first names that, like, leaked out that he would be on the team. And I, I'm just curious. Like, I wonder if he was just, like, one, like a guy that, you know, has a little bit of an NHL experience. But, you know, maybe uh, just it's hard to find, you know, players to be on this team. And maybe that's why his name kind of popped up there. I don't know. He was kind of a weird pick for me too. And especially being one that, you know, everyone was considering to be, you know, part of the team immediately type of thing. Awesome. I just want to point out, uh, I think it's 30 games as opposed to the 15, I think you mentioned, but I don't think it's having like a depth guy or two. doesn't, you know, at the same time, you had all those guys that you mentioned, Power, Demers, but like you also need someone for your bottom six, or you know your bottom pairing. He might just fit that role perfectly, in my opinion. So, turns out, yeah, I can't count. Jeffrey is correct. Jeffrey Anson is correct. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it seems like he's probably going to be more in that top six, especially like how what Jeffrey said. Right, he was one of those first names that everyone had. Just like, oh, you know, there you go, there you go. Um, maybe I just don't watch enough AHL hockey and that's probably it. <laughs> um, he did have a PTO this season before the season started with, I believe it would be the New Jersey Devils, but I am most likely wrong with that. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I guess, yeah, some of those questions we're just trying to figure out exactly what's going on there. Um, Jeffrey's going to love it. It's only 28. He's not 35. Um, yeah, I, I think that's just one of the interesting picks we've got here. But in terms of interesting picks, I don't think there's any more interesting than our first goalie. This is the question mark I mentioned before. The 
I believe it's the expected starter. You guys may have to correct me on this one, but this is the most interesting pick of the entire team. It's not Mason McTavish. It's not Owen Power. It's not, I don't know, who else would be a cool, interesting pick that we've talked about. It's not Josh Hosang. You know, it's Devin Levi. That's the most interesting pick for me. He was, I would say, the star of the World Juniors last year. 964, seven games, 0.75 GA. And then this year, just absolutely crushing it in the NCAA. 948 with a 155 GA, 24 games. He's the presumed starter, right? I kind of have someone else in mind that I would think would be the starter. But I do like him as, you know... I think he starts off as a third goalie, but I wonder in a pinch will they throw him out. But like we've always, I know you always complain about, you know, Team Canada or Canada in general can never develop goalies anymore. We're relying on, you know, a lot of older goalies that maybe past their prime. So I wonder if they're just introducing Levi here because, you know, he has, you know, international experience, even though he's young, but getting him to like come to Olympics and maybe he could be that goalie of the future. We still don't know, right? Like he's a late bloomer. Maybe he's, you know, finished blooming, but I, I think team Canada giving him the chance here. I think it's an excellent opportunity for him. I think it's a great, like you said, it's a great opportunity for Devin Levi. He just played in the like world juniors or last year, but at the same time, it's, he played incredibly well. If I'm correct, he's with the Sabres currently, right? He's with Northeastern University, but yes, he was traded to the Sabres, I believe. Or no, he was drafted by the Sabres? Yeah, drafted by the Sabres. No, totally wrong, trade to the Sabres. Yeah, drafted by Florida, but traded to the Sabres, I think. So, especially with the way that kind of like the Sabres are right now, they're not going to call him out and like kind of put him through that. It's not beneficial for his development. So, having him kind of shadow and play on like international international level playing for his country i think that's amazing for him and you know 20 years you're uh, sorry 20 years old i don't think you can go wrong with that all right moving on to our next goalie i believe this is where jeffrey was going uh in terms of the starter i would be totally okay if he's a starter um i think he was probably the first goalie penciled in in the contingency plans, and that's Eddie Pascali. Uh, three games in the NHL, eighty-two. But like I said, I'm a big guy. I'm big on body of work. Um, and if you look at it, he's been pretty solid. You know, in the sense that in those three years in the KHL, he did nine thirty-two, two point zero three, forty-six games, and nine twenty-five with a one ninety-one in forty-one games, and this year a nine sixteen and one point nine nine thirty-eight games. Sure, you could say he's declining, but you start off at such an elite position. It's fine for me. Jeffrey, is this the guy you were talking about? Yeah, I think he is probably going to start off as a starter. Um, I don't know, but he almost, I think if I remember, he was like a top goalie prospect in the very beginning. Maybe in, like at the when he was 20, 21, I think a lot of people were having like thinking big things for him but he never kind of panned out or really never got the chance i think in the nhl so you know it's good on him to you know know, make a career out of it um in you know khl right now and you know the fact that he's representing canada at the euro hockey tour 
He's played well this season. I think you got to give him first dibs at that starter job. But I, I, I'm still curious. I, it's, it's so hard, right? Because we're, you know, we're having players that you know aren't, aren't what we expected to represent Team Canada at the Olympics. So it's so hard to like know, you know, how are they going to play this? Are they going to, you know, you know alternate goalies are they going to roll four lines how are they going to divvy up the lines how are pairings how are they going to do that like I, I think he gets first dibs and i think he completely deserves it Anson, who's the player with first dibs in your mind i think you have to give to the more experienced uh, guy especially when it's such a short tournament maybe like you have a couple of round robin games give them both a chance see what happens but i think to start off you got to give the guy with more uh, game time, the guy who's been there as opposed to the rookie who basically, besides like NCAA, really hasn't played in the NHL level. I, I think you got to give it to Edward Pascal. Pascali, sorry. Alright, so I think it sounds like in our mind this final goalie is a consensus third goalie. Uh, and that's Matt Tompkins plays in Frölunda in the Swedish Hockey League. Is he the only player in the Swedish Elite League for Team Canada? Nope, because you mentioned Adam Tambellini. Thank you. That's why we have Jeffrey around. Correct me when I'm wrong, and that's why we have Anson around to correct me when I can't do math either. Uh, 9-13, 2-32, games. He was a backup in the AHL the last couple of years, 15 games, 13 games for Rockford Icehogs. I would say he was maybe a bit below... League average those two years in the AHL. So this year he's played well. I guess they're, you know, 913. That's nothing to be ashamed of. And especially two shutouts. Um, that's more than, that's two more than his AHL career shutouts. Uh, so for me, I think this is the third goalie. For me, this is also kind of showing, hey, Canada isn't the greatest in developing goalies. Um, especially for, a tournament. I know it's your third goal. Yeah, I know I'm nitpicking, but it's Canada, right? We get to nitpick. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't feel great about it. But it's your third goalie. Tell me that it doesn't matter. Um, I, I wonder if he might be the second goalie and Levi's the third goalie, just based on age. I think that's how Team Canada kind of rolls these days. Like. And every Olympic, I always feel the third goalie is always just the young guy to bring along. Um, I can remember, like, Mike Smith was the third goalie back in the day because it was, like, Luongo and Brodeur. I feel like Fleury was the third goalie because he was the youngest. So I, I, I think Tompkins might be number two, but we'll, we'll see. I, I think, yeah, we're nitpicking, but also, like, it, these aren't guys that are, you know, mainstream guys that everyone knows about, right? So, like... I, I we, we gotta wait and see. We're I think it's gonna be a based a lot on form, but who's playing well, and then those are the players that are, are gonna be playing. I think you're right. It's a. I think it'll be Tompkins as a second, but with a shorter leash because Levi could potentially just take over the backup spot, or even potentially just the star spot. He plays really well, right? But. You might have just throw a name out here in terms of like Canadian goalies that's not on this roster. Who? Devin Dubnik. And I don't know whether like you know he chose not to uh, participate in the Olympics or whatever, but I'm just kind of surprised that he 
wasn't on this roster because he's he played as recently as I think this year even. I just you know thought I just picked you you guys' brain for that. I think part of it is that he played four games in the AHL, eight sixty nine, and in the last couple of years he just I know he's an NHL. Just playing the NHL, and that's at a higher level than you know, let's say Devin Levi, for example, right? But when he was in the NHL, he wasn't that great. I said the last time he was, you know, league average was 2018, 2019. Since then, it's 890, 895 ish, 869 now. I get it as your third goalie, maybe, but. I would probably rather have an SHL goalie having a hot year than an AHL, a former NHLer who's had a bad run even in the AHL. I I wonder if maybe it's more that he ha- he's not in game shape. And I think f- for skaters, it's easier to get into game shape. I think for goalies, if you haven't been facing shots in a long time, it's hard to, you know, jump back into spot, but. I mean, it could also be a personal decision from Dubnik himself, but I, I like I think we're if we're looking from like a management of like selecting players and assuming all players are available, I think he because he isn't in game shape. I think that's probably the reason why he isn't picked. And I would agree. You want to pick someone who's you know in good form, who's been you know playing over someone that's you know hasn't been playing at all. No, it's fair. I just kind of want to pick you guys' brain to see what your opinions and thoughts were about that one. So, as a whole for this team, where what is a success for you? I'll go first to kind of give you an example. I think success for this team is if they finish third. If they finish second or first, they're above my expectations. Um, I think the Olympic athletes from Russia probably have the strongest team. And then I'd say it's probably Sweden. Um, and then Canada. What is success for you, Jeffrey? I think I I don't know. I I think third is like the minimum. I think given, especially since we saw them at Pyeongchang and them finishing third, I think you hope that they can at least reach that. I'm a little bit worried about that U.S. team. They've got a lot of youth. And I think that's going to be very, very scary. Uh, so I actually have... I, I could probably see the U.S. being that surprise team. I know they're not like an underdog or anything, but I could see them being a very surprising team that it's going to challenge for gold. But I agree with you. You know, bronze should you know be a success for Team Canada this Olympic. And I would agree with you. It's that a podium finish for Canada, whether it's, you know, bronze, silver, or gold, I think that's a success for Team Canada. Um, you know, they might run into difficult uh, with, you know, the States, uh, the Russian team, especially with, like, basically, I want to say the entire Russian team's from the KHL, which, and like we said, second best league in the, in the like, world, and basically their entire team is that. It's kind of hard to compete with that. But I would say a success would definitely be a podium finish for Team Canada. Yeah, and you look at that Russian team. Um, you've got guys like Anisimov, Grigorenko, um, Simeonov, Shlepyshev, Shipyshev. 
um, Nikita Nesterov, you know, like this team's pretty good. And they, you know, that's the team I'm probably, if I was a betting man, that's the team I think that's going to win. I mean, and like we have to think about it though, right? Those guys that you just mentioned are also probably at, you know, maybe the same, maybe a little bit better than the guys you mentioned in Team Canada, like the fourth line, depth line guys. So maybe they're not as great. It's not like they're sending like a superstar that's, you know, would be, you know, second, third line in the or second line players in the NHL right now, right? Because, you know, everyone's kind of in the same boat. But I do agree with you, like, you know, especially them playing in the KHL, which is, you know, probably the second best league in uh, for hockey right now. I think that's going to give them quite a bit of an advantage. All right. We've kind of, this is one of our longest episodes in a hot minute. Guys, I got to make dinner. I'm hungry. Let's wrap this up. What's the final thoughts? Anson? Admittedly, I I think we said all we said. Like it's the longest pod of, at least as far as I've been here, it's the longest pod. So I'm just gonna toss it to Jeffrey because I know you gotta make your dinner. I'm also very hungry. Uh, I think after we stop recording, we're gonna discuss what we're gonna make for dinner individually. We're not we're we're physically distant, so we can't you know cook dinner together. But maybe we'll uh, virtually. We'll see. Hey, Anthony, you want to order me dinner? I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Um, but final thoughts for me. Um, I think this is going to be a more interesting Olympic roster than a lot of people give it credit for. Uh, let's see. Olympics are in a couple weeks, and I'm excited for that. So we'll know then, and we love y'all, and we're hungry. So we'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Bag Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.